Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Dr. Amber Thornton. She is a licensed clinical psychologist, founder of Balance Working Mama, and Dr. Amber Thornton Consulting LLC. And with those amazing titles, she is also a mama of two. Today, she'll be sharing her daughter's birth story with us. Hello, Amber. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled. You have been, Am- Dr. Amber, every- can we, how you want to be referenced today, <laughs> ma'am? Dr. I- Amber or Amber is fine. We're going to do Dr. Amber. Okay. <laughs> Has been on the schedule for a while because we knew Sweet Baby Girl was on her way. So we have been awaiting this lovely story. But before we get into that, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, my name is Dr. Amber. I'm a psychologist. um, And my family and I, we live in D.C. Um, We used to live in Maryland, but we just moved to D.C. officially about a month ago when I was in my third trimester. So that was crazy. Um, But we're here. We're all settled in. Um, I have two children. I have a son. He's going to be two in about a week. And then my daughter right now is almost four weeks old. How are you today? (laughs) (laughs) Today, I'm actually okay. Like today, I'm fine. We um, just had cleaners in the house, um, just kind of cleaning everything. And I was just on Instagram, just praising how I think outsourcing is absolutely the thing to do when you are a working mom. So I'm definitely happy about that because now my house is clean. So I'm feeling good today. (laughs) Two under two, life is... Yes. yes, it's it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And this weekend, we're going to try to like fast track potty training with my son. So it's like there's always something going on. So it's a it's a fun life right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we'll definitely probably hit on that a little more in postpartum. But you know, yeah. outsourcing, giving yourself the grace to allow someone else in your space to do the things that need to be done is mm-hmm. not always easy but make it happen if you can. (laughs) Absolutely agree. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Yes, definitely. Um, So this was my second pregnancy um, with my daughter. Her name is Eden. And pregnancy was very uneventful. (laughs) I'm very lucky about that. Both of my pregnancies actually were really just very simple, very easy. There was nothing really going on that was of concern. Um, At each appointment, everything really seemed to go really well. So especially early on, everything was just so normal. I would say the only thing that was like upsetting to me (laughs) with this pregnancy is that my OB left the practice. And so I had to, I I was just so upset by that because she was um, my provider for my first pregnancy the entire time. And she was the one that really just helped me to feel um, comfortable with being pregnant less fear because I was so afraid with my first pregnancy with just the whole process. And so she really helped to just um, normalize a lot of things for me, make me feel comfortable, explain things to me. She was so personable. And so then when I went for the second time, I saw her like twice and then she told me she was leaving and I just broke down in tears. So other than that, 
Um, everything else with the pregnancy went really well. Um, even with this pregnancy, I was super active. Um, it was during the midst of the pandemic, of course. And so with that, previously I was a gym goer. I would go to the gym um, almost every day, but we couldn't do that with the pandemic. So we bought a bunch of gym equipment and we bought a bike that was awesome. And so I was able to exercise every day up until about 36 weeks. So that was definitely a high point for me during this pregnancy. I was very active. I took pretty good care of myself. Um, it was definitely tough with the toddler though. Um, my son during my pregnancy was uh, probably between like 16 months through like 20 something months. And it was, it was tough because he still had a lot of needs. Um, toddler phase is toddler toddlerhood is hard and so definitely being pregnant being tired feeling heavy and then having my son they was it was not easy but other wall other wall other other than that everything with the pregnancy went really well and so what did preparing for the birth look like um for you was that something you were thinking about Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting. You know, I was talking to like my friends and my husband. I felt like with this birth, um, preparing for it, it was it was weird because I felt like we had so many other things going on. And so I, I didn't I don't know if I had enough time to really prepare for it like I should have, to be honest. Um, with this pregnancy, I had another child. Um, I had started a business. I also was working full time. And we moved. <laughs> and so that all went on during this pregnancy. And so I found myself during the third trimester, like really yearning for like, okay, so when am I going to slow down to actually think about birth? Um, and so it, it felt like it eventually happened, but it was a little late in the game for me, to be honest, when I, when I think about it. Um, but preparing for birth for me um, with this pregnancy, I was really hoping to have a VBAC. And so preparing for birth really meant a lot of me getting my head in the game in terms of what a VBAC meant, um, but also just really kind of talking to myself and getting my, my mind right in terms of, is it possible for me to achieve this VBAC? Um, and getting rid of a lot, a lot of the fear around it too. But also, um, I think I was getting a lot of pushback from my provider, the practice, um, about the VBAC, the, the success and the possibilities of the VBAC as well. So really preparing for birth this time around meant mentally preparing myself for um, the pushback that I was getting with regard to trying for a VBAC, but then also my own fear around it as well. What did you find helped you the most to get over those mental hurdles? Honestly, so one thing I had a, had a doula. <laughs> that is something that's important for me to say. I did have a doula. That was one of the very first things I knew that I needed to make sure to have um, with this pregnancy because I had the C-section the first time. So I absolutely knew, you know, I don't want to have another C-section. I did end up having another C-section, so we'll get to that part. <laughs> but um, I knew I did not want to have another C-section, so I was like, okay, I absolutely need a doula. Um, because with the doula, I, I felt like with my first pregnancy, 
during the moments when it was time for me to push and to like try different positions, I just didn't have anyone to help me with that. I didn't have anyone to like have the knowledge or the tools or the skills to say, Hey, let's try this, let's do this, or let's, you know, advocate for me in different ways. And so I absolutely knew I wanted that in the second second pregnancy. So having the doula was really helpful because she was able to give me a ton of resources during the pregnancy about VBAC. She talked me off the ledge a bunch of times when I would have an appointment and a provider would say something really discouraging to me. Um, Like for instance, at one of my later appointments, the provider was like, well, you weren't able to push out your smaller baby. And so the likelihood of you pushing out this next baby is really low. So we really should schedule your C-section. And that was terrible. (laughs) And so I had to like, you know, my doula was always just very helpful in reminding me like, hey, these statistics are trash. That VBAC calculator is racist. You know, the scans telling you that your baby's going to be 10 pounds are often wrong. So just kind of always telling me, reminding me those things so that I could be more grounded. That was super helpful. Um, I would say there were tons of people, honestly, on social media. (laughs) That was just so helpful. Um, I have been really grateful to, like, over the years, just have a I guess, a a virtual community that has just been so supportive. Um, People sending me resources or just like, just reminding me like, hey, you can do this, like sending me affirmations. I had a ton of moms send me like literal affirmations. Like they were like, hey, this one works for me. You should try this. Or sending me meditations, things like that was really helpful. So honestly, the doula and then just a virtual community of moms um, to just kind of get me through it and remind me that, hey, you can do this and here are some tools that helped us was really, really really helpful um I mean I know we often talk about like our village and our community and the way that our the way that we are set up now we don't always have um who we want or truly need as community like right there but being able to find those pockets of social media that feel good um and that can uplift you are really encouraging (laughs) oh my gosh yeah it absolutely like especially with the pandemic but then also even outside of the pandemic too you know I, I started it started to dawn on me you know like I'm fully vaccinated at this point the world's about to open up for some people um but I still want to be connected to my virtual communities because not everyone lives in DC and I still really like the people you know what I'm saying so I I've really um embraced this idea of hey your friends don't have to live in your same neighborhoods they don't have to be your family like you can really um embrace community in so many ways in this pregnancy but then also the pandemic has really taught me that and so I yeah completely agree walk us through your birth the birth (laughs) Uh, so um the birth so it's so funny when I was preparing I was thinking about telling this story. And I I listen to you all's podcasts all the time. And I always hear you all say that every birth should be told or every birth story deserves to be told. And I appreciate that because I think I still have, I don't know, a little bit of like, maybe shame or I don't know, just something about not being able to have my vaginal birth. Um, so I was like thinking about this and just like preparing to tell this story. 
And of course, it's been on the schedule before she was even born. And so um, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'll get to tell my VBAC story. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> we're going to talk about me having two C-sections. Um, and so part of me almost wanted to say, like, well, should I even tell this story? And of course I should, because it's my birth story. Um, excuse me. So... I guess I'll preface it with that. Um, I'm, I'm reminding myself that this is still a story that's worth being told, even though it wasn't a successful VBAC and it wasn't what I wanted. Um, but we're here. <laughs> so, um, okay. So with that, the birth, um, it was so interesting. It actually started the same way my last birth started. Um, it was like nine o'clock in the evening. And I was at this point, 39 weeks. I had made it to 39 weeks, which I was really surprised about because the whole time the doctors were telling me that I was going to have a very large baby. <laughs> um, and so in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, if she's going to be so large, um, she should just come early. <laughs> uh, because why go through that? Let's just let's just get this done. <laughs> and so we made it to 39 weeks, which really surprised me because my first my son was born 38 weeks. But either way, it was about nine o'clock at night. Um, and my husband and I were just watching TV because my son was in bed. And um, at the end of our show, I stood up and I felt this gush. And I was like, oh, it's time. I think that's my water. It broke. <laughs> um so my water broke nine o'clock in the evening, same as it did with the first birth uh, that I had. And so in my mind, it was like, okay, it's go time. Let's let's do this. Like it, it's time. And so we had been talking about what the process would be because it was a little bit different this time now that we, we do have a toddler. And so we very quickly corralled ourselves to say, hey, okay, you go get our son, you get pack up his things. I'll go finish packing my things. You finish your things. Got to drop them off to grandma's. Then we go to the hospital. Because another part of this was that I also was um, group B strep positive. And so with that, um, I'm sure that you all know. And But if listeners don't know, that's that that test you have to do is like at 36 weeks or something like that, um, where they test for all these these things and group B strep is one of them. And so if you're group B strep positive, they highly encourage you to go to the hospital when your water breaks so that you can receive antibiotics or antibiotics. Um, of course, you don't have to, but I elected to definitely do so. Same with my first pregnancy. Um, so in my mind, it was kind of like, okay, the clock is ticking. We got to get to the hospital. We got to get the antibodies or the antibiotics um, so we can get ready. <laughs> and so um, my husband got my son ready, packed his things. I had already had my things packed. Um, but I started to notice that with this one, the contractions were like, they were going. This one, it was a way faster process. Um, like as soon as my water broke, I started to feel contractions. And then I would say maybe like 30 minutes after it was like, okay, can I manage this right now? Like what is going on? <laughs> um, and mind you, it took my husband about an hour to like go drop my son off and get back. So I was just sitting there in the living room like, oh my gosh, this is not happening. Um, so got my son dropped off, all of that. He got back. 
in that time, I had called my doula and let her know, like, hey, my water has broken. You probably shouldn't need this at the hospital. Um, so she packed up her things and she was ready to go to get to the hospital as well. Um, during that time, other weird things had happened that had never happened to me before, too. Like, I had always heard that women during labor can um, be nauseous and throw up. That didn't happen to me my first pregnancy, but this time it did. And so I was, like, in the living room, throwing up, trying to get through contractions. It was just a lot <laughs> because it just felt like it was going really fast. Um, so finally, my husband got back. We got to the hospital, like, 10 minutes away, which is not that bad. Um, and of course it's COVID. So they got there, they tested me. I was negative, of course. So that meant my doula and my husband could, could come and it, everything was fine. So when I got there, I was in a lot of pain. Um, they checked me and I was already six centimeters, which was a surprise to me as well, because it just felt like it went so, 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 so fast. Um, so with my with the VBAC and everything or the attempt for the VBAC, um, I had talked to my doula about whether I wanted to receive an epidural or not. And what I had decided was that I was going to receive an epidural, but try to wait a little bit, um, like until I got to seven or eight centimeters. Um, and so that was a decision that I felt comfortable with. And so by the time I realized I was six centimeters and in my head, I was like, OK, it's going to take them a while <laughs> to get this epidural going just with the pace that they were moving. So we said, OK, let's hey, let's get this epidural going, because um, by the time we get it, I might be eight centimeters. Um, so that started to happen. All this part feels like the haze. But what I do remember is so another thing that is always the case for me, um, my veins are trash <laughs> just terrible and so anytime I go to a hospital it is always hell trying to find a vein so they can do an IV or anything that they need to do and so this process of them getting trying to find my vein so that they could give me some fluids start the antibiotics all this stuff took at least an hour and it was terrible because <laughs> all the while I was just like I want my epidural but they were like we've got to start these other things first and so that was not fun. Um, but after about an hour or so, they finally were able to find the vein. They were able to do my epidural and we were in a good place. Um, so I was all checked in, everything like that. Um, got the epidural to my surprise. And this is what I was hoping would not happen, but it ended up happening. Um with the epidural, I was hoping that I would still be somewhat mobile in order to be placed in different positions. Um, with my first pregnancy, I also got an epidural and I was able to move. Um, I was able to be in different positions. I just didn't have the person who had the skills to tell me what positions to be in. But this time, the second time, I was so immobile. They gave me like the most medication and it almost was kind of scary because there was at one point where I was asking my doula, like, am I still breathing? Can I? Because it just felt like I wasn't breathing as deeply as I felt like I needed to. But I, I wasn't sure, like, is that my anxiety or is it that? So she was like, you're breathing. She did a great job of, like, reassuring me. But after the fact, she told me, like, hey, I was nervous about your breathing, too, because that epidural was heavy. Um, 
So unfortunately, with the epidural I received, I was not able to be placed in any positions. <laughs> and as we know, that is not helpful if I am hoping for a VBAC because I, I just wasn't able to do the things that we had talked about and that we were hoping that I was able to do. And so really, I was limited to um, being either on my side or on my back with the peanut ball. And so we did that for hours while we waited for dilation to progress. And even after I was 10 centimeters, my doula did a great job of saying, hey, let's continue to like flip you on this side. We're going to do this side. We're going to put this ball here. Like whatever we can do, um, we're going to try it. And so I really appreciate her for that. But I, I do have some regret about how heavy that epidural was because it, it just did not allow me to move in all the ways that I imagined that would help progress my birth. So um, got to 10 centimeters super easy. It's never been an issue for me to dilate. And so then at the time, um, they allowed me to continue to just try to like, you know, rest, but then also allow things to progress with getting baby down. And then once we got to the pushing stage, I noticed that I was starting to fear some, feel some fear again. Um, fear about, you know, is she going to be a big baby? And what does that mean for my ability to push? Um, and deliver her vaginally, or um, also fear of like uterine rupture. That's always the thing with VBAC is um, that's the risk, of course. So I started, I told my doula like, hey, I'm starting to feel afraid <laughs> to even push. And she, again, talked me off the ledge. She said, hey, you're here. You are safe. If something happens, you are in the place you should be. Um, we've got you. Um, I will say that the doctors there were also very, very, very helpful and supportive. They also could tell that I was afraid. And at one point, someone was like, why are you so afraid? And I was like, I'm a Black woman. <laughs> it's it's Black Maternal Health Week, because it actually was Black Maternal Health Week. And I was just like, I'm I'm Black. I'm, I'm having a VBA. I'm really afraid. And so they all reminded me like, hey, you are safe. We've got you. We want this for you just as much as you do. And so Looking back on that, I really appreciate that as well, because I think I really needed that to kind of just help move me forward. So we started pushing <laughs> and we pushed and we pushed um, as much as we could because I, <coughs> excuse me, because I, I could not move. I had to have them help me with my legs. Like my legs were so heavy and it was the epidural, but also I had built up so much fluid throughout the pregnancy, that was something I didn't realize until after the fact. Like I, I was so swollen and just so, it, it was a lot. My, my legs were so heavy, um, I couldn't lift them. And so it took a lot of work to have people like help me push, but we, we tried, <laughs> ended up pushing for about two hours. Baby was not progressing down like we needed her to. Um, and it's funny because that was the same situation in my first pregnancy. And so still to this day, I don't know what that's about. And I try not to think about it. Like, I, I don't know if it's, you know, sometimes my head goes to, well, were you just not pushing well enough? Or um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Or, or was it that they just weren't down for it? I have no idea. But in each case, it was the same situation of, you know, they reassured me I was pushing, but baby was not traveling down like we needed her to. 
And so, again, I try to rationalize it like, well, I just wonder if I was able to be put in different positions and allow gravity to do what it needed to do, would that change things? I'm not sure. Maybe not, but maybe. Um, But either way, I was not able to deliver her vaginally um, because with the pushing, we just wasn't able to get her down. And there were concerns about the pressure that was being put on her head with each push that we were doing. So after about two hours, um, the doctor had a chat with me and she was very, very caring and compassionate. She knew how how bad I wanted this feedback. And she said, you know, I at this point really do recommend a C-section. And she, you know, gave me all the reasons for it. And I just broke down. I was just so upset. I was so sad. I was so upset. I felt just like, oh, like I, I had like, I wanted this for so long, like for the whole pregnancy, because I knew I did not want to have another C-section. I definitely didn't want to have a C-section with a toddler. Um, I just, I just didn't like how any of that was going to be. And so I was just so sad. I felt really defeated. Like, you know, all the the discouragement that I got from the practice, the OB practice, it, it was like they won in some ways. And so I was really sad. It was that was a hard time for me. Um, in that moment, you know, I, I knew she needed to come out of my body. <laughs> she needed to leave my body in some way. I just didn't want it to be that way. And but it felt like in that moment that was the option that was left for me. Um, my doula at that point also had a talk with me, and she said, you know, I always advocate very fiercely for when I feel that things should go a different way. But in this in this moment, I do agree. I, I think the C-section might be the way to go because I understand what the doctor is saying. I see what she sees and, and I understand why she's making this decision. And so when she said that, I, I, I heard it as well and I trusted what, what they both said. Um, and so we went, we went for it, but again, still, I, I don't feel good about it. Like, and I, I, that's just the honest part of it. I I don't, I don't like that. I had to have another C-section. There's still a lot of like, what ifs that I have in my head about what if I would have done something different or what if my OB is wrong? What if my doula is wrong? And I hate saying that because I feel like they were great. They did everything they could, but what if there was something else that they missed or what if, what if more? You know what I'm saying? I, there's so many what ifs that I could go down. Um, but we had the C-section and I was fucking afraid. <laughs> I was so scared. And that was another reason why I didn't want to have another C-section. Surgery is scary. Um, it's scary. C-sections are scary. They're not fun. None of it. And so that was another hurdle with this birth of getting through that um without all of the fear, without all of the anxiety, and all of it was there. And so luckily, everything went fine. <laughs> there was no complications. There was no nothing. You know, it's funny. I was I was on the table so scared, but the doctors were like, just doing their job, joking around, and they kept reassuring me, like, you're, you're good. You're fine. Everything's going well. But it was just, I was just so in my head because I was so fearful about this procedure, but then also all the after stuff. Like, how am I supposed to have a, a toddler and a newborn and recover from a C-section? What if, how is this supposed to go? So, again, luckily, everything was fine. No complications. Made it out fine. And now we have baby girl here. <laughs> 
Eden is here with us. We're both here, but it was definitely not <laughs> the birth experience that I wanted. And so again, I think that is something I'm still reconciling for myself. You know, I'm ha- I'm happy that I'm alive. I'm happy that we're here and we're both safe, but it, it wasn't the story that I wanted to tell today. Thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that and sharing the honesty um, behind it all. And you don't have to feel any other way than what you feel. Thank you. That's, I mean, I know you know that and you're, and you're, and you're saying that, but you know, a reminder to you and to, you know, others who might share connect in that way is that um, the way you feel is valid and that's it. Yeah. And I appreciate that because I need to hear that. Like I tell people that all the time, but I need to hear it too. (laughs) So I I definitely appreciate that. It's nice to hear. And, you know, part of me was also like, I don't want to tell the story of like all this fear and anxiety and disappointment, but I think it's the reality for a lot of us. You know, we don't all have the births that we want. And we don't all come out of it feeling really good about it. You know, sometimes for some of us, it takes a while to um, get to the point where we're like, OK, I, I can accept that this is how it went. And I'm, I'm in the midst of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to being there. But, you know, there's still some more work for me to be done with that. I'm thankful for the share while it's still raw. Um, we can still hear it and feel it in you, right? that it's a work in progress and that as from Laurel and I's standpoint as birth workers, we understand how challenging it can be to make that decision. It can be very challenging for, you know, even the doula to say like, yeah, this is where we're at because that's hard. Like this is the person that you brought in all these people, you got your team together and, and you did the things you did the work for it and to not get the, the end result that you wanted can be so hard. But of course, we don't want you to be hard on yourself, right? Um, every baby, every birth has its purpose and how it comes, how they come. And sometimes they know more than we know, right? <laughs> um, I just think about how both of them came into the world and, and by their own choosing, right? Um, they got to be the ones that say, no, not like this, mom, right? Um And for whatever reason that is, maybe there's an answer to that one day and maybe it's not. And finding that space where that's okay, and knowing that your body is still fully capable, you created two humans and a period on that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that's on that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So how is postpartum going for you today in this space? Okay, so postpartum. So tomorrow it'll be four weeks. Um, So definitely still early. Um, But I feel like a lot has happened in the four weeks. Today I feel good. Um, But that first few weeks was tough. Um, The main reason it was tough was because to my surprise, I had postpartum preeclampsia, which I did not 
to my knowledge, I didn't have the first time. Um, I never had any preeclampsia during my pregnancies. Um, but about a week after I left the hospital, no, I'm sorry, a week and a half or so after I left the hospital, um, I woke up one night and just felt, I felt dizzy, which was like not like my typical self. And so um, it's so funny, a day or so before that, someone on Instagram within my virtual communities um, was concerned about my swelling because I was talking about how swollen I was. And in my head, I'm like, oh, it's just the C-section. There's a lot of swelling when you have a C-section, which there is. And she said, you know, make sure to watch your blood pressure just in case it's preeclampsia. And in my head, I was like, "Eh, it's not, but I appreciate her for letting me know. Um, So that night I woke up dizzy in like, I took my blood pressure and it was high, higher than I had ever seen it before. And so that scared the fuck out of me once again. (laughs) And so I told my husband about it, like my blood pressure is really high. Um, And so I continued to monitor it throughout that day and it just kept getting higher and higher. Um, And so I reached out to my friend that's a nurse, but then also I called my OB and both of them encouraged me to go to the hospital. So I ended up going back to the hospital within like the first two weeks of postpartum because of preeclampsia. Um, It was high enough for them to diagnose me with severe preeclampsia. They did the treatment, the the standard 24 hours of magnesium and monitoring, um, and then also treating me with some IV blood pressure medication. Luckily, it came down during that 24 hour period, I was probably in the hospital for about 36 hours, Um, was able to be released um, because it was managed, the magnesium, all that had did its job. Um, And so was discharged from the hospital. They didn't prescribe me anything because my blood pressure was managed during the hospital stay, Um, but it continued to be high. So I just continued to monitor it. They prescribed me something later, but after a few days, it started to come down. So it took about three weeks for it to kind of just level out. And so many of the doctors kept reassuring me that, hey, I know it's scary. You've received the treatment. It just takes some time. Usually they say two to six weeks for your blood pressure to level out. And for me, it took about three weeks. And so now, thank God, my blood pressure is normal. Um, I still check it like every other day or so, and I'm having normal reading. So that's not something I have to worry about anymore. But that was very scary because of course, we know what can happen. And just, again, coming off of Black Maternal Health Week, I was just not playing any games. I was like, look, my blood pressure's high. What do we got to do <laughs> to make to fix it? So um, happy to report my blood pressure is all good now. So preeclampsia is not something I have to worry about, but it was something that I had to deal with for the first few weeks or so. Um, but then also just dealing with the C-section recovery, that has was tough as well. Um, mostly that first two weeks. The first two weeks was tough just because, again, I have a son. And so I had to be super hands-off just because he doesn't know how to be gentle. But then also I can't lift him anymore. I can't do his bedtime routine anymore. I can't. There's so many things I couldn't do. So that was tough, just emotionally having to disconnect from him physically um, and having to think about, okay, well, how do I still connect with him even if I can't pick him up or if we have to kind of like be a little distant because I'm still really sore, things like that. Um, It's getting a lot better because I physically feel 
fine. Um, but just small things like I still can't do bedtime routine with him, can't give him a bath, can't pick him up. Um, but we're getting there. So I would say first three weeks were really hard because of those things, but now we're coming out of it and things are looking up. Um, with the second preg the second second baby feels like, oh, I've done this before. So that part of it, like she has been a saint in terms of like not giving me a hard time. Like she's sleeping, she's eating, breastfeeding is going well, all that stuff. And I just think, you know, maybe God, universe, ancestors was like, look, she's already had a tough time. Let's give her a baby that's not going to give her a tough time right now. Because <laughs> it's it's been tough already. So luckily baby is doing amazing. Um, but I just had to get through those things just with regard to my own healing and recovery. Um, but it is getting a lot better. Day by day. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes Absolutely. minute by minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, you also help others find their own um navigate their own journeys. Can you tell us about your work through Balance Working Mama? Um, How did that begin? How do you support families? How can they connect? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love Balance Working Mama. So thank you for letting me talk about that. Um, So Balance Working Mama is a company or brand, whatever we want to call it, um, that I founded um, in February of last year, right before the pandemic hit. And it's so funny because a lot of the work that we've done has been in the midst of the pandemic, but really the idea um, started before that. And it was because initially I was afraid to become a mom because I had only seen um, images and role models of motherhood as being very... um, I don't even know the words for it. It was very consuming. It didn't allow you to continue to live and be yourself. It didn't allow you to pursue your dreams. It didn't allow you to put yourself first. I saw motherhood as being very self-sacrificing. You had to disregard your health because the health of everyone else was so important, things like that. And it led me to believe that motherhood just wasn't for me because I didn't want to do that. And so I had to figure out, well, how do I do motherhood but still continue to put myself first? How do I continue to still have a, a career that I desperately want? And how do I continue to be passionate about all these things? And so that is essentially what Balanced Working Mama was. For me, it was my way of choosing to redefine motherhood for me so that I can still be a passionate, career-driven woman who prioritizes my health and well-being at all times. And so with that, I've been able to do that for myself. And it doesn't mean that motherhood is easy now, but it means that my health and my wellness is always in the forefront. Um, my passions, my, my, my goals are still in the midst at all times. And so I, I help other women to do that as well. And so um, with that, we do a number of things, but the main thing that we do is a six-week program called Empower Wellness Program. We do it quarterly, and we have mamas join us, and and it's really transformative because they're able to um, really learn how to prioritize their wellness and their well-being in ways that they had never imagined. But a lot of it is really breaking down a lot of the narratives, a lot of the the myths about what motherhood should be like, and choosing to do it a different way. And so that is a a chunk of the work, Um, but people can learn more at balancedworkingmama.com. We also have the Instagram at balancedworkingmama. And of course, I have the podcast, the Balanced Working Mama podcast. So really anywhere 
at Balanced Working Mom. <laughs> you covered on all the different yes. realms. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, it, okay. yes, yes. and if it's not that, it's at Dr. Amber Thornton. So either one of those, you can find me and, and learn a lot more about how to join our community, but also just how to prioritize wellness and, and redefine motherhood for you. And that will be in the show notes too. So we'll make it even easier for you. (laughs) Well, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners, resources, advice, anything else from your journey? Um, no, I I think that is it. And again, I'll just a special shout out to just the virtual communities, because again, I think that's the space that a lot of us have been in for the past year or so because of this pandemic and it has really gotten me through um in so many ways and for so many reasons again just because I can't physically be with my people right now but then also I think with the phase of life that I'm in um it's been hard to find support that looks and feels how I needed to because phases of life look different for everybody in my life. And so being able to get on Instagram or or go on Twitter or wherever and see people and connect with people and become friends with these people um, has been so helpful. So um, I really encourage that. I know that support can look and feel challenging right now, um, but don't neglect those those people who might not be in your neighborhood or, or down the street because um, they can be really encouraging and provide a lot of support and resources as well. Well, Dr. Amber, thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank yes, you so yes, yes, yes. Honored to hear it um, and thankful for you sharing because um, we know as, as people are healing, as they're working through um, It takes a lot of work to share your story. So we appreciate that for sure. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 